0: Welcome to SuccessfulSavior.org, the ministry of Harmony Primitive Baptist Church in Donaldson, Arkansas. This is Elder Dan Sammons preaching in our regular Sunday morning service. Well, I appreciate those observations. And um, the Bible uses a lot of metaphors to teach us spiritual truths. It equates spiritual matters to the common things that people in that day might be dealing with, like shepherding sheep and i agree with randy's conclusion there that when you're talking about the rod and the staff you're talking about god's instrument for care instruction protection and direction of his flock and where do you find that in any place more than in the word of god itself i've often said from this pulpit that there's no such thing as self herding sheep If you had self-herding sheep, you would have no need for a shepherd, right? They would just bundle up together. When the right time came, they would go to the right place. They would go to their feeding. They would stay bundled together in a safe place so that they wouldn't be prone to attack from predators and all these sorts of things. There'd be no need to have a shepherd. And, you know, I think people recognize that and they recognize that shepherding is an actual job because it's needful. And it exists, and it would be very foolish to think you could have a herd of sheep and just kind of let them free range out there, you know, without any shepherd taking care of them. And yet, when it comes to matters of the Christian faith and of spiritual things, very often, even those who are professing Christians make very little of the Word of God and the instructive, protective and guiding power that it can have on your life as a sheep i say this a lot and i don't want our church to get the impression or if you're a visitor here today i don't want you to get the impression that i take some pleasure out of running down other christian groups who have a very relaxed attitude to put it nicely about the importance of the word of god it's not my intent to run them down but it is my intent to make the point that if you don't regard the Word of God as central and important, it's just as foolish as a church without a shepherd. And certainly if they have a shepherd, it's one that doesn't have a rod or a staff. He's not applying it to the sheep. They're kind of running amuck out there. And you know, that's what sheep want to do, right? People want to do what they want to do. And sometimes they're eager in their folly to find a religious practice that will affirm them in whatever they want to do. When in reality, the Christian church is intended to bring you under the discipline of the Lord Jesus Christ, to become a disciple, to be shepherded by him, to have your life and your behavior shaped by the word of God, not the other way around. And our consumer based Christianity today has flipped that model on its head and it has said we can have a huge congregation if we'll just stop applying the rod and the staff to people who don't want to go the direction we're trying to get them to go as disciples and instead just embrace whatever it is they want to do. Now the Christian faith is we will affirm you in whatever you want to do. Well if you did that in shepherding, you wouldn't have a flock of sheep for any time. They'd wander off. They'd be picked off by wolves and predators and people would come in and steal your sheep and all these sorts of things. These metaphors that are in Scripture have meaning to them. And when you start recognizing, this is not in the Bible to teach me about animal husbandry, right? The Bible's purpose is not to make you a farmer but it is to make you a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you should consider what is said in these metaphors and how it applies to you. You're the sheep. The rod and the staff of God comfort God's people. It should be a comfort to us. That doesn't mean we don't buck against it from time to time. That just means we're stupid sheep from time to time, right? And we need that instructive power of the Word of God. When we finished last time in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, we were on this very, very popular passage that gets preached a lot among the Old Baptists. And I'm very fond of it. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and for correction. The rod and the staff are important. That's what that's saying. They're not of no use. They're not a wall-hanging unit. It's not like you go to Cracker Barrel. And we got some old farm implements hanging up on the wall. Look at that. They used to use those things. We don't use that anymore. No, these things shouldn't be hanging on the wall as some relic of bygone Christianity. These are the fundamental tools of the Christian faith that are applied to the sheep within the kingdom of God. They're still just as usable today as they were in the very first century. Very, very important. That's why we preach on this verse so much. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. This is the Word of God, literally. The Word of God. God breathed. This came from God Himself. And it is profitable. Well, look, to the extent that someone is working in the realm of Christianity and they de-emphasize the Scriptures and instead try to promote popular notions or notions that tickle the ears of men and and allow them to live as they want to live, what they're really saying, which you scratch beneath the surface, wipe away the veneer of they seem very nice and everything seems wonderful, what they're really saying is the Word of God is not profitable to you. The rod and the staff provide no comfort. In fact, the rod and the staff are really the wrong way to go about it. We should just all accept whatever anybody wants to do and all love one another and just be accepting of any and every possible lifestyle choice that anybody wants to make out there, and that's how it ought to be. Well, that's chaos in the realm of shepherding, total chaos. You're never going to have a secure, safe herd of sheep if you take that approach to shepherding. I don't need my rod, don't need my staff, don't need nothing. Just let them do whatever they want to do. That would be insanity to be a shepherd who behaved that way, and yet there's Christian churches that are making that their new doctrine. That's just how we're going to do. Free-range sheep. No shepherd. No Word of God, no rod, no staff. Let them do whatever they want to do. Out there wiling in the world, just doing whatever they want to do. It's nuts. But it's very popular. Very popular. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect. That means spiritually mature. You want to become spiritually mature. You want to be solidified in the faith once delivered to the saints. You want to be not blown around by every wind of doctrine and every new notion that comes up that tells you we figured it all out. We came up with it. Man's finally solved the problem and this is how you need to live. Never mind all that religion of the past or anything else you've heard. We've got these new ideas and it's going to solve everything. No. These teachings of scripture are to make you mature and complete and to prevent you from being blown around by every foolish idea that's out there in the world and we're prone to being blown around in that way. Truly furnished unto all good works. You want to be profitable unto the kingdom of God, producing good works. In earnestness, press into an understanding of the Word of God and let it have its shaping testimony on your life. That's what you must do. That's how you draw near into the sheepfold. That's how you find the fellowship of the saints. That's how you find the protection of the shepherd. Starting in chapter 4, Paul says, I charge thee therefore. As a result of what I just told you about the profitability of the Word of God, the centrality of it, the importance of it, the fact that it comes from God, it's correct and perfect and right, and it should shape your life based on what I've just told you about that. I charge thee, therefore. This is not Paul saying, well, let me just give you my personal opinion on the matter. This is how I do it. There's more than one way to skin a cat. You could probably do it some other way. Right? You could find some other important writings of men. Maybe you teach that and it would be profitable to God's people. That's not what he's saying. He's saying based on the importance of the Word of God, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. That's... We're talking about this is the Word of God. God's going to come and judge the world, whether people are dead or whether they're still living at the time. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. Now on that basis, preach the Word. Make the sheep acquainted with the Word of God. Strip away the layers. One of the problems that happens with people I'm very big on reading primary documents. There's a lot of people that will run around telling you, well, I think America is this and I think America is that. And they don't know anything about the fundamental defining documents of the American Republic. I mean, people run around all the time like, well, we're a democracy. We're not a democracy. I mean, that is so commonly said That almost every American you run into will say, well, we're a democracy. We are not a democracy. You know why people don't know that? They've never read the the actual fundamental documents of our republic. Most people, if you told them we're not a democracy, would be offended by it and not even have a clue what you're talking about. You know why they have that belief because they are in contact with secondary and tertiary sources of information about their government. They watch Fox News and CNN and whatever else and see all the pundits on there talking about American democracy and democracy this and that. We're a democracy. It's idiocy. We're not a democracy. And most Americans don't even know that because they don't know anything about, they never went to the source texts of our republic. They've never read the Constitution. They don't understand the Bill of Rights. They don't understand these things. And so they accept whatever they hear people commonly say, and it leads them to all sorts of false conclusions. If you go back and you read the Founding Fathers, who designed this system of government we have, very unique system of government, they were horrified by the idea of democracy. They did not like it. I mean... Democracy is, in its purest form, is the tyranny of 51% over 49. If 51% of people decide that something is wrong and outlaw it and vote that into law, then that's how it's going to be. There's no rights or anything, right? If 51% of our society said Christianity is totally bogus and those people are evil. We should kill people for being Christians. That would be a democratic process in a pure democracy. That is not what our country is. People don't understand the fundamental texts that undergird certain institutions like the United States of America. But more importantly, Christians don't understand the fundamental text that undergirds the Christian faith. That is the Bible. And to the extent that forms of Christianity are out there trying to place their testimony between the flock and the Bible, They are promoting a bogus form of Christianity that leads people to believe that Christianity is something that it is not at all if you just go look at the fundamental text. There is nothing more important in your personal discipleship than you becoming acquainted with the Word of God. Read the Bible. You want to eliminate your ignorance of such things? Put your eyes on the Bible. Now, I know some people are not readers that just don't read very much. Well, bring your Bible to church and follow along in the text. At least know that when we're preaching things from the Bible, you have put your eyes on the very verse that I'm trying to preach something from. That's very important. Hopefully what you're going to find is this brother's up here teaching the Word of God. He is showing us the rod and the staff that comfort God's people that keep them in line and keep them with the flock and keep them away from danger. He's showing that and utilizing that on the flock. But it may also reveal that I don't think that brother handled that correctly. Hey, I'm not perfect. And when the Bible talks about the good shepherd and the great shepherd, it's talking about Jesus Christ. It's not talking about me. I am an under-shepherd. I'm prone to any number of potential errors. That means I need you being a second set of eyes on what I'm teaching, and you should take anything that I say from this pulpit with some measure of skepticism. You follow me? You have to be mentally engaged in what's being taught for you to be somewhat skeptical about it. Like, if you're not paying any attention... There's no point in skepticism. I wasn't listening anyway. But if you're engaged enough to say, I hear what he said. Is that true? Those in Berea said, is that so? I hear what Paul said. He preached something to us. Is that so? You see, the fact that Paul said it was insufficient in their minds to determine whether or not it was so. Now, think about that for a minute. Paul was an apostle, called of God. Here's a man who wrote many books of the New Testament. He wrote scripture under the inspiration of God, and the Bereans heard him speak, and they said, That sounds good to me. I like what I'm hearing, but is it so? Okay? You can hear a lot of things that you think, That sounds pretty good. But is it so? Is it true? How do you know if it's true? Well, I'm going to submit to you that if you don't know the Word of God, you really don't know if it's so. Not in the intellectual sense of saying, I have seen that affirmed in the Word of God. Paul said, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. He's talking about comparing the things you encounter in this world to what you've been taught from the Scriptures. Incredibly important. Preach the Word. He's talking about preaching the Bible, right? Making God's people acquainted with the text of the Bible. It's incredibly important. And I can't tell you how much in the broader world of Christianity, churches do not preach the Bible. They just don't. Now, if you've been in an old Baptist church all your life, and you've been used to seeing you know, 30 years of Elder Phelan get up here and he's going through a text and he's reading passages and he's telling you what this means and he's jumping around and everything he says is like, this is where I'm getting this from the Scripture. You might become familiar with the idea or become comfortable with the idea, well, this is kind of what Christianity is. This is what churches do. They go through the Bible and they try to glean the instructive material out of this and shape their lives based on what they find here. Nothing could be further from the truth in the broader world of Christianity today. I'm telling you, you'd be shocked and appalled by what you would find taught from many pulpits broadly in Christianity today. In many instances, if there's any mention of Scripture at all, it's only tangential. It's only just to kind of rub. Well, see, I touched the Bible over here and I'm going to go over here and talk about modern philosophy for two hours. Right, I'm gonna teach some pop culture thing. I might take some version, some snippet of the Bible, some sound bite, usually from a horrible translation that doesn't rarely even resembles what's actually in the Word of God, and then I'm gonna philosophize for 40 minutes on a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with the Christian faith. And this goes on everywhere. But he says, preach the word. Preach the word, that's the Bible you realize what a heritage it is to have the Bible? You realize that people who put this Bible in front of you, many of them were burned at the stake so that you could have this Bible? And we can have such a casual attitude towards the primary text of the Christian faith when brothers and sisters in Christ just a few hundred years ago were being put to the fire so that you could have this thing. Most Christians over the course of Christian history did not own a Bible. You understand what I'm saying to you? I wonder how often we project these things back into the past. You think about the first century church. We read these things about in the book of Acts. and Paul's going around and maybe we have a picture in our minds. Or they're, they're all walking to their church meeting you know, in Corinth or somewhere and they've all got their Bibles under there. They have no Bible. What are you talking about? Those people would have flipped out if you'd have said, You know what this is? This is the complete Word of God right here, and you can read it anytime you want to. They would have completely lost their minds. They'd have been like, Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> what a privilege it is to have access to the primary documents, right? You don't have to fall victim to what somebody's going to tell you about what the Bible said. You can read it yourself. Now look, the Bible has, and Peter affirms, some things hard to be understood in it, right? There's things in the Bible that are difficult to understand. You'll find people in the kingdom of God who are willing to talk to you about those things, and not everybody agrees on some of those things. There there are some difficult things to unpack in the Word of God. But there is a thing that happens among Christian people where they start to take that idea that, and let's just call it, let's say there's 10% of what's in the Bible that's really hard to understand. Maybe it's 20%. Some fractional portion of what's in the Bible is hard to understand. There's still this 80% over there that is very straightforward and it's not difficult to understand. And what happens among modern Christians a lot of times, is they take the idea that there are some things difficult to be understood, and they say, well, that's really almost everything in the Bible. It's really that religion and Christianity is almost unknowable. You can't really know anything. I mean, the Bible's been translated, all manuscripts, and people disagree on it. So really, you can't know anything. That is total nonsense. People who are prone to falling victim to that by and large are people who've never actually picked up the Bible and read it. If you'll sit down and read what Paul is saying, you'll find that much of it is not that difficult to understand. It's just difficult for people to accept because it rubs up against things that they don't want things rubbing up against. It may change their practice. It may make them say, you know what, I've been living in this way and I just read this passage over here says, I ain't supposed to live that way. What if you're in the broader world of Christianity and you are a female pastor of a church or minister? I tell you, if you read the Word of God, it's going to cause you some problems. If you just honestly read what Paul says in the New Testament, that's not difficult to understand. It's going to say, you're not doing the right thing by doing that. You're not supposed to have that role. Now look, If you're highly enfranchised in the religious world, and maybe, I mean, there's women pastors out there who are multimillionaires as a result of what they're out there doing. It's going to be very difficult for one of those people to walk away from that situation. You've got a mega church whale out there that's paying you millions of dollars, and then you read what Paul says about women should not usurp the authority over men. They should be silent in the church. They're not to hold the office of elder. That's going to be a big problem for you. It's one of the reasons that many Christian groups, they don't want to get into the Bible too much because they know based on their practice, it is full of landmines out there. Mm-hmm. Let's just stay out of that because it's going to cause me all kinds of problems. Now that, that sounds nasty. It's the truth. Amen. You may regard it as nasty. I don't mean to deliver it in a nasty way. It is the truth though. And that's an example of someone who's saying, you know what, I don't really want the rod and the staff. They don't comfort me. I don't find it comforting, the teaching of the Word of God. I don't want to see the rod and the staff. I want to wander out as a sheep and I want to live however I want to. I want to build a Christianity that takes on the shape of what I want Christianity to be. And that's just idolatry, styled as the Christian faith. What is idolatry if not just, I want to do what I want to do, and we're going to worship that? Well, I mean, you can put a Christian veneer all over that all you want to. But at the end of the day, if that's what you're doing, it's just a Christianized form of idolatry that people regard as more acceptable in American society because we are broadly Christian in our faith, so to speak. That's what it is. That's why Paul said, preach the Word. He didn't say preach traditions of men. One of the largest sects of Christianity differs from us, and many who would call themselves Protestants, for example, simply on the basis of, is the Word of God the sole source of authority that we should be looking at? Or is it the Word of God and our tradition? First of all, if you get into that conversation, you really can't even discuss it with people because if you're not starting from the same initial premise, you can show them things from the Bible all day long and they'll say, I see that, that's great, but our tradition says this. So the traditions of men becomes a trump card that they can play anytime the rod and the staff is applied to them. They can say, wait a minute, I've got my traditions. This says preach the Word. It doesn't say preach the traditions it doesn't say that these things are going to change over time as society develops. We're going to have more mature attitudes towards this, and, and the church must constantly be conforming to the shape of its container, right? The church is not jello, it doesn't pour into society and then take on the shape of that society. The church is the bowl. And God's people ought to be poured into it, and they ought to take on the shape of the Word of God. It needs to change you, not you change it. Amen. So he says, preach the Word. He goes on to say, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering." There's going to be many occasions for you to preach the Word. They don't all occur between 11 o'clock and noon on a Sunday morning in Donaldson, Arkansas. You might regard that as in-season, right? That's the in-season portion, and I intend to be here, Lord willing, to uphold that part of the bargain. But we've got lives that extend far beyond our assembly here, and you're going to have opportunities to preach the Word elsewhere. Now this is directed towards Timothy, who is a minister, but this certainly applies to God's people who are supposed to be testifying of the Lord Jesus Christ in their own life. And I'm suggesting that that out-of-season portion is something we ought to consider. Have you ever passed on an opportunity to say something spiritual in some context and you just thought, well, it's just going to be a little uncomfortable or I don't know, I don't want to come across as overly religious Something like that. There's many reasons that someone might do that. I want us to reconsider the opportunities we have to say something spiritual and to share something of the preaching of the Word of God. You know, you might find someone in your day-to-day interactions. Maybe they're going through a really rough patch. They're down. They're struggling. They're wilding in the world. They're out there running around with sheep without a shepherd. They're just wandering around. They're prone to every potential attack. Disease, all sorts of horrible things that could come upon them, they might need a little encouragement to come along the path and say, you know what, you need to get into the protection of the fold and start hearing the preaching of the Word of God, which is going to visit much greater stability into your life if you will allow it to have its shaping testimony upon you. Think about those out of season opportunities. Everybody puts their church pants when they come here on Sunday morning. You know, we're all pretty well on our best behavior. But there's opportunities out there when we don't have the church pants on to testify of what the Lord has done for us and what the church has meant to us and what the Word of God has meant to us. Isaiah said, all we like sheep have gone astray. You can tell people about the... You you know what, I can tell you, I was astray out there. But the rod and the staff of the Lord brought me into the fold, and it's comforting to me. It's a tremendous comfort. Exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. You see, doctrine is important. I have much to say on that. Maybe we'll pick that up in the next sermon. Let me close on this in verse 3. So he's telling him this. Preach the Word. It's important. This is the primary document of the Christian faith. It's profitable. It's profitable. This is where God's people need to be instructed. This is how you keep the sheep safe. This is how you keep the foal together. This is how you instruct them in the Word of God. And why is that? Verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Brothers and sisters, we are living in that age. don't have the flawed view of the world that says, well, there's, I see lots of churches around, there's lots of Christianity around, maybe that's all going quite well and people are being comforted and instructed under the preaching of the Word of God. That is not the case. We are living in the time when men will not endure sound doctrine. And the doctrines they won't endure are becoming increasingly ludicrous it's evidently all around us, every form of sinful lifestyle is being affirmed, not just in our society, in the churches of Christianity. As people are becoming more and more drug-addled, more and more involved in sexual immorality, more and more confused about their gender identity, more and more convinced that there is no God, the church rather than applying the rod and the staff and saying, no, no, you are out of the way, you have wandered off like a sheep, you need to come back over here under the instruction of the Word of God and find the protection of the sheepfold, which is what they ought to do, have rather said, this is what they want, so let's just have a church that says all of that is okay. Now from a marketing perspective, that is a brilliant maneuver. Why would you try to, if you have an opportunity to address a much broader and willing audience, why wouldn't you just say, well, I'm not going to pursue that avenue if you're just marketing a product. By the way, the Bible says these people will make merchandise of you. They are marketing a product. They're marketing the product of, i tell you what we'll do. Here's the arrangement. I will give you a form of the Christian religion because you seem desirous of having the name of Christ. I'll give you that. But in addition to that, you don't have to become a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to be a member of the church. You don't have to submit to baptism. You don't have to live in a way that is in accordance with the precepts taught by the Lord Jesus Christ. You can have all the sinful life you want, We'll give you the name of Christianity. And what do you think about that? You've got millions of people raising their hand and say, I'm all in on that. That's what I want. That idolatrous religion that embraces my sin and does not confront me in it and doesn't require that I live in in a way that shows that I'm a disciple, that's exactly what I want and I'm all in on it. It's very popular. Shepherding is not popular in this society today. People are highly independent. They think it is out of bounds for anyone to suggest that you need to conform yourself to the image of Christ, that you need to mortify sin, that you need to avoid these things, that you need to press into the kingdom of God. Those are highly offensive notions. Everybody's so independent now. I just want it however I want it. Well... You can have it however you want it. But know this, it's idolatry. That's the core of idolatry. I want it the way I want it. I want a golden calf rather than the Lord of glory. I want some religion I crafted with my own hands, and I'm going to follow that zealously rather than following the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. They will not endure sound doctrine. They don't want any part of it. And if you go to many of these places in Christianity today, you're going to find they don't teach any doctrine. That's because they're making merchandise of people. It's a sad statement on the Christian faith, but it is one that I am very thankful we are not caught up in. I don't know how long this church is going to exist in this temporal form on God's green earth. I suspect it will be as long as the Lord wants it to be here. But I pray that as long as it is here, whether it's five people or 5,000, all we're trying to do is press into the kingdom of God by preaching the Word. Not Dan's opinions, not Brother Sonny's opinions, not the traditions of the old Baptists. The Word of God. If we're primitive, and primitive means anything and is worth anything, all it means is we're doing what the early church did as established by the Lord Jesus Christ, and nothing else. That's what it means. There's a time when uh, people will not endure sound doctrine and you're living in it now, but after their own lusts, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. If you're itching, have you ever like gotten chiggers? Have you ever gotten chiggers? Horrible. Makes you itch. And when something like that happens, you already know what the solution is. i got a scratch, right? You've already predetermined the solution. And that's how people who are rejecting doctrine are. They've got an itch. They already know what the scratch is. The scratch is I need some religious officiator to come along and affirm me. Give me what I want. I just want a little bit of a scratch. The itch is already there. The itch is built up. By the carnal minds of men. Men's carnal minds have all kinds of itchy notions that they want scratched. And that's what false religion does. We're living in a time where people are seeking that out. I pray that we would, as a church, commit to ever being those who press into and preach the Word of God, and that you, as a disciple, would be someone who would be comforted by the rod and staff that the Lord applies to your life and keeps you in the fold. Thank you for listening to SuccessfulSavior.org the ministry of Harmony Primitive Baptist Church. This has been Elder Dan Sammons, preaching in one of our regular meetings. Come and join us as we worship God in the simplicity of Christ every Sunday morning at 416 North Hall Street in Donaldson, Arkansas. At Harmony, we don't have many things you'll find in the popular churches of our day, but we do have a successful Savior. We invite you to come and see.